Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Well, amen, church. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Oh, it is a good place to be. I'm thankful that you came out this morning. I'm thankful to be here with you. We love you. And we just love Sundays. We love Wednesdays. We love the house of God. The psalmist said, I will be glad when they said it was time, it was Sunday and it was time to go to church. Amen. Are you glad this morning? Oh, church, we're so blessed in this day and age to have the freedom to come and worship him. Amen. Don't take those things for granted. We are blessed this morning. So are you ready to hear the word? I'm ready to share the word with you. I'm excited. And I know that God um, <clears throat> wanted me to minister to this this morning. So I know it's, it's, it's for somebody. And I believe it'll bless your heart. Because God's word is wonderful. Amen. The truth that's packed in his word is wonderful. And it will set you free if you grab a hold of it and receive it. Amen. And apply it to your life. So praise God. I'm going to get you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 really quickly. And you know, over the past couple of weeks, church, we've been speaking about intimacy. We've been speaking about, you know, um, how important it is to respond to Jesus, to answer his call into intimacy. Because who knows that Jesus is calling us in deeper. There's more. There's deeper levels. There's more of him that he wants us to experience and that he wants us to be, um, that he wants to reveal to us. So he is calling us into this place. Are you going to answer him? And we've been looking at several um, scriptures and um, things in the word that point to people who responded to Jesus, responded to the call, and how they just came and, and ran at his feet. And then we began to look at, um, you know, things that can uh, hinder us from responding to Jesus' call into intimacy. And, you know, and, and um, I, I, I think I said this last week as well about, you know, the call that he's calling us into. You know, we know that we have a call on our lives and we know that we've got a specific destiny mapped out for us. And I'm not, I'm not really talking about that call. He's calling you for that as well. But I'm, it's this call to just be in communion with him. Because, you know, church, it's not okay to just say a prayer or just to, you know, receive him as your Lord and Savior and, and just park there. He wants you to keep pressing. He wants you to keep coasting. And last, the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at, you know, what can affect us and what can hinder us from um, pursuing that intimacy. And we looked at doubt and unbelief and we looked at, you know, um, our heart. How our, if our heart's not right and we're seeking Jesus. I love the words of that song we sang this morning. You know, nothing else will do. Jesus, I just want to come and sit at your feet. You don't owe me anything. I don't want the blessings. I'm not coming for those things. But church, yes, we receive from him and he's faithful. And like I said, by his grace, he's already poured these things out on us. But that shouldn't be the motive of why we come. We should be coming just to be with him. We should be coming just to sit at his feet because nothing else will do. And that's where your heart needs to be. That's where your heart needs to be. Amen. And then uh, he, just con he just pours out. He just, he's so good. He's a good, good father. And many times we need to be reminded of that, that he's not standing with a stick waiting to beat us if we make a mistake. He's a good, good father. And he wants to give good gifts to his children. Amen. So it, it's, it's, it's important to remember those things. He desires for all to come to him and none to be lost. That is his desire. It is his will that none should perish and all should come to know him. That's what his desire is. He's calling each and every person into a place of relationship. You know, and we talked a bit about this last week. He chose you. He chased after you and he rescued you. He came down for you. You were important enough. He loves you enough. That, he, that he's coming after you. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. And you were on his mind. So uh, verse 4 of, of Ephesians chapter 1 where we just turned. I just want to read this verse just before we begin. And it says, just as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Church, he chose you. He chose me. He chose us. 
to be in his body, to be his children. Does that not make you rejoice this morning? To know that he was thinking about you. He knew you. He knew you before you were even born. He knew you before the foundation of the world. And he chose you. Because the Bible says, all you have to do is believe and receive. He chose you already, but you still have to choose him. Because he gave us free will. You still have to choose him. And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we enter into relationship. Okay, we become part of his body. We become his children. You know, we're connected to the Father through what Jesus has just done for us or what Jesus done and what we just received. So we become part of his family. The agape love of Christ, the God kind of love, the highest form of love, the agape love, it, it was revealed to us through Jesus. It was revealed to us through the gospel and it drew us in. The Holy Spirit revealed the love of Christ to us. That it doesn't matter what we've done in our past. It doesn't matter who, if we were a, a, a bad person. It doesn't matter if we were a good person. It doesn't matter. The love of Christ drew us in. The Holy Spirit revealed to us the goodness and, and the, just the faithfulness of Jesus that he gave himself for us. It shows, it reveals to us our need for him as well. It shows us our need for a savior that we can't do it on our own but it's all through the love of Christ. The agape love was poured out to us. What do you choose to do with the love? That's up to you. Do you accept it or do you reject it? Because I'm telling you, when you accept a church, when you embrace it, it changes your entire life. It changes your entire life. Or you can reject it if you want. And many people do. The power of God is what transforms us into brand new creations in Christ. We become God's children. So now, as part of his family, okay, so he's called us. The Holy Spirit's continually drawn us to himself. Even when we were sinners, we were been drawn to him. But now, as we're part of his family, it doesn't just end, end, end there. Jesus is calling us into a deeper level of relationship, into phileo love. And remember, we talked about the differences between those things. Phileo is an intimate love. It's a brotherly love. And, 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 and Jesus wants us to, to have that filial love with him. He wants us to be intimate. He wants us to be fond of. That's what the definitions are of that word. Powerful. Jesus had a filial love with Lazarus. Jesus had a filial love with that family. And when he called them, they answered. You know, they received the greatest miracle through that love, through that relationship, through that intimacy, when Lazarus was raised from the dead. And we looked at that account, we looked at that story, and that's how we talked about the differences in, the, in this kind of love. So he wants us to get to know him more and more. So why? So we can become more like him, church. That is what the goal and the aim should be, to look more like Jesus. The more we get to know him, the more we can become more like him. It all it, it comes back to that. We have to get to know him. And we talked about, you know, the, who you spend your time with, you begin, you begin to look like. You know, even on, on this earth, like, you see families, you know, close families, and they have similar characteristics. They act the same, they speak the same, same accents, or, you know, same hand motions and gestures and the way they carry themselves. It's similar. Why? Because you live with them, you're with them, you're intimate, you have a relationship. Are you looking like Jesus? Because that's going to be a true reflection of whether you're spending any time with him or not. If you're intimate with him, if you're walking in that phileo love, you will start radiating him. You will start looking like him. You will start walking in that agape love because it's shed abroad in your heart. You will start walking in love towards people who you may not necessarily like because it's a fruit of your spirit. It's, it's God-given. It's supernatural. So the place of relationship is the birthing place for the things of God to burst forth in your life. The place of relationship, that's why Jesus is calling us in. He wants us to sit at his feet and learn from him, church. Sit at his feet. You know, when I think about these things, you know, I'm so thankful that we can come to, into his presence while we're here in this earth. You know, we can boldly come before the throne of God because of what Jesus done. The veil is torn. There's no more separation. We don't have to go through a man. We don't have to jump through 20 hoops to get to the Father. We can boldly come before the throne. Why? Because you are a son and you are a daughter. And you can come boldly 
before the throne and receive from him. And I'm so thankful that we can come into his presence while we're on this earth and we can sit at his feet, church. But when I think of eternity, when I think of being able to sit, you know, in our glorified bodies at the feet of Jesus, how wonderful is that going to be? How wonderful is that going to be? And him teaching us and, and just being with him. It excites me. It excites me. It's going to be wonderful. And we can still come into his presence and do those things while we're on this earth. That's what we should be doing. Mary ran when Jesus called for Mary, when her brother was dead. She left everything and she ran to Jesus' feet. She answered the call with excitement, despite what was going on. Why? Because she was intimate. She knew him. She was like, it doesn't matter if it's four days late. Jesus is able, so I'm going to run to him. He was calling for her and she answered So just like the call for salvation, this call also requires us to choose. See, Jesus is calling his children, he's calling you and I deeper and deeper and deeper. If we listen for his voice, if we get sensitive to his spirit, he's calling us, come spend time with me today. Come read my word today. Come just talk with me today. And many times we're so busy. We're so, so busy with everything else that's going on and we don't make time for him. That's not answering the call, church. He's calling us into intimacy. He wants us to commune with him. And it's in that place where so much is birthed. But it's going to require us to choose. Are you going to answer his call for intimacy or are you going to turn away? And you know, a relationship works both ways. It works both ways. We need to be desiring to be with him just so we can bless his heart. Just so we can move his heart. Lord, Reveal more of your heart to me. Oh, Lord, just reveal. It's not like, oh, give give me more of your love, Lord. Give me more of this. Give me peace. Give me joy. He's given you those things. Oh, bless me, Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. So stop coming to God with a begging mentality and come with a receiving mentality as his children. That's what we do. But we don't come, we come to bless his heart. Lord, reveal more of your love to me for your sheep. Reveal more of your love, Lord, to the people of this world. The Lord, that I can just, it'll just compel me, Lord, to just do what you've called me to do. Share the gospel. Speak words to them, Lord. Do what you want me to do. It's come, what moves your heart, Lord? What, reveal more of your heart to me. That's done in intimacy, church. He pours those things out to us in intimacy when we're, when we're close to him, when we have a, a relationship with him. More is poured, more is peeled back. So we need to be desiring to be with him just so we can do those things and minister to him. This is what love is, church. I, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It talks about love. Love is not self-seeking. Who loves God in here this morning? I love God. I love Jesus. Love is not self-seeking. So you can't say that you love him and only go to him when you're seeking for self. That's not love. Love is not after self-gain. It's not, it's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. And a relationship works both ways. So when we truly love him, we're coming to give to him. Not just receive from him, not just to get what we can get. That's what love is. So through this love, this love that we find through intimacy, through answering the call, that's what drives us to do what we're called to do. It sets us on fire, church. It sets us on fire for him. And the fire keeps us going. The fire, oh, it's a supernatural fire in the, in the belly, in our spirit that just comes through our actions and our words and it just, it just spreads to people around us. It spreads the joy and the love and the peace. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. When people see the goodness of God in you, they'll turn to Jesus. You don't have to preach hellfire and brimstone to them. The goodness of God will turn people to Jesus. But are you revealing his goodness this morning? Are you revealing his goodness on your everyday life? You need to be. It comes through intimacy. It comes through that fire in your belly that comes forth. You know, we looked at John the Baptist last week and how sold out to his calling he was. He was firmly fixed and focused on the tasks that he had to do. People came by the multitudes to hear what he had to say. Powerful. 
He started a revival in that generation. After the people of Israel, after the people around there, they had, they had quietness for over 400 years. From Malachi to Matthew, it was quietness for over 400 years. And next of all, John the Baptist comes on the scene and says, Repent! Turn from your sin! Messiah is coming! He was anointed, we talked about here, he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. The only one to have ever been done, or only ever have that happen to He was born into this world, physically filled with the Holy Ghost. He was preparing for his ministry for 30 years out in the wilderness in solitude. Why? Because his, his nourishment, his strength, his everything was coming from God. His love for God is what drove him to do what he was called to do. He was on fire, and that fire is what brought the people out. It wasn't the reed in the wilderness. It wasn't a, a, a king in soft clothing. He wore camel's hair, ate locusts and wild honey, probably stunk. Camel's hair, and he was in and out of water, so could you imagine wet camel hair? So, but physically, church, it wasn't about that for him. He was on fire for God, and multitudes came. Why? Because God anointed him to do it. He was called to do that. John loved God, and that's what drove him to do what he was called to do. Doubt got him off track a bit at one point, and we talked about that. Doubt got him off track at one point, but Jesus pointed him back to the word, which John knew oh so well. It is so important to know the word. It is so important to know the word. It will drive confusion out of your life. It will drive those things out of your life where you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Lord, is this you? You know, uh, even knowing his word, church, will help you in hearing from his spirit. The word and the spirit, they always agree. His spirit will never speak outside of what the word says. It will never go against the word. So if something's telling you that something that you know does not line up with the word, that's not God. 100% of the time. But how do you know that if you don't know the word? See, John knew the word and Jesus used the word to point him back. He didn't cater to his emotions. He didn't prod and poke at what made him feel good. He said, go and tell John what you've just experienced. And he fulfilled prophecy right in front of those people. And that is what got John, I believe, back on track. You know, John lost his life in prison. But I guarantee you, when they went back and said to him, this is what Jesus is doing, he was no longer doubting, do we wait for another? He knew who the Messiah was. The word brings assurance and clarity. You know, Satan was opposing what John was doing at that time, and he used doubt to try and get him off track. He used doubt to get his hope deferred. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. What's your hope in this morning? Because when it's a confident expectation, your hope won't get sick. Your heart won't get sick. Hebrews 11, what does it say? I mean, it, like, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's a confident expectation. It is knowing it's coming to pass. It's, all, it's mine. Now, faith, right now I receive it. I'm confidently expecting those things. So Satan was opposing what John was doing, and he used doubt to try and get him into unbelief. He used doubt to get him into unbelief. He always did. Satan always did and always will oppose the preaching of the gospel. 2,000 years ago, he done it and he's still doing it today. He doesn't have any new tricks. He just doesn't want the gospel being spread. Does that not alone tell you that there's power in the gospel? How there's mega... Did you ever just wonder, you look around the world right now and you see even this country, even this community, and there's buildings been constructed and dedicated for every religion under the sun. And you look at it and you go, why is there no opposition? Why can they just freely do those things? Why do they never have to, you know, push through things and do things? Why? And then you find, church, Satan's not opposing those things. Satan's behind a lot of them, okay? So I'm telling you now, Jesus, the goodness of the gospel is what sets people free, and that's what he's going to oppose. That is what he's going to oppose, okay? So 
Does that not alone tell you the power that's in it? So Satan will always use doubt to try and get you to avoid the power that comes from standing on the word. He'll always use doubt. We push back against that doubt by exerting an opposing force against it. And remember last week we talked about gravity. We talked about how, you know, how is gravity overcome? How does an, how, how does an airplane overcome gravity? It gets to a certain acceleration where, it, you know, where lift, thrust and lift happen. Okay, it overcomes gravity. When that airplane gets in the sky, if you turn those blades off, if you turn those propellers off, if you turn the engine off, it's going to go straight down because gravity will then kick back in. Just because that plane got lift, it did, that wasn't mean gravity turned off. There's no switch. Gravity is always pulling. Doubt and unbelief is always pulling. It will always be pulling at you, but that's why you need to keep exerting an opposing force against it through the power of God. So if you coast, if you turn the faith engine off, you're going to go down, you're going to go backwards. That's why, it's, that's why this whole word that God's been putting on my heart to share is that you need to keep pushing. You need to keep pressing in deeper. We push back against doubt by exerting an opposing force. The force we use is the power of God. It, we do what the word teaches us to do, church. Comes back to knowing the word again. We tap into and release the power of God when we know him and know who we are in him. What, how does that come? Through Intimacy. When we know his word, when we know him, we begin to know our authority. We begin to know what he's provided for us. We begin to know him and what he is ba- who is backing us. And we can step into those things. When we know him, we know his word. So know this, Satan will always be pulling. He'll always be pushing and prodding. He'll always be using doubt to pull. But nothing and no one can stop you and stop the body of Christ if we are all doing what we're supposed to be doing. Nothing and nobody. It's only when you yield to the doubt, it's only when you yield to the fear is when you are a captive to it. Don't yield to it. Stand on the word. Keep confessing the word and living the word. When we are truly taking the time to sit at the feet of Jesus and minister to him and draw from him, we'll be so on fire that we can't but help spread it to everyone around us. But we need to be sitting at his feet, drawing so we can pour out. How can you pour out if you're empty, on the, if you're not putting in? We need to be sitting at his feet, church, allowing him just to, oh, just be him. <laughs> just allowing him to just completely refresh us so we can go out into the world and do what he's called us to do. I, I have a question for you this morning. Do we have any violent people in here this morning? You know, that's a question that a lot of us will rightfully answer no, okay? But what I'm going to share with you here in a few minutes and what this word that God's put in my heart is, we need to be violent, spiritually. I'm, I'm not talking about against each other or against flesh and blood. We have to be violent against what is opposing us spiritually. And if you are not violent, you will not take what you have to get. You will not take it. The word that God's been giving me repeatedly through this year, and I believe I had a word at the New Year's Eve service and the end of 21 handed into 2022, and it was just about that pressing in deeper. And it, it's continual. Pressing into deeper levels, into relationship, into intimacy, into the kingdom. Because if you're staying up at the shallow end, you're going to be distracted by the chaos that's on the world. The more you dig in deeper to him, you don't know, you're not moved by what's going on around you. You're not moved by what's going on above the surface because you're so into him. We need to forcefully seize these things. You need to forcefully seize intimacy. Why? Because the devil's going to try and stop you from getting it. We need to know what God has provided for us and grab a hold of those things with two hands. We can't afford to stop and we can't afford to coast because when that happens, church, we regress, and that will hinder your progress. When you regress, it stops your progress. We should always be progressing in Christ. Who wants to finish their race strong in here? We want to finish our race strong. You know we're in a race. 
Go read Hebrews chapter 12. We're in a race. We're in, uh, we're in church. We're running around the track. It is our, we have the baton. We, it's our generation, our church. I believe we're on the last leg. We're going to cross that finish line. And even if we're not, we should be running full steam ahead to pass to the generation after us. But it's our time to run. It's our time to press forward. There should always be progression. In a race, you never regress. You never retreat. You don't turn around and run the other way. You aren't going to finish a race strong that way. Don't allow, don't allow yourself to regress and for it to halt your progress. We want to finish strong. We must have the zeal. Do we have any zealous people in here this morning? We have to have the zeal and resolve to press into intimacy. We have to have the zeal and the resolve to answer his call. Do you desire to answer his call even? Because you won't if you don't desire it. You have to have, be zealous for these things. He will, Satan will try and plant doubt or whatever else he can to stop you from getting close to Jesus. Because when you are intimate, your intimacy will strengthen your faith and you will begin to violently destroy all the plans of, of the enemy. Violently destroy. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We were here last week, although we spent most of the time in, in Luke's account of, of talking about John the Baptist, but we referenced Matthew chapter 11, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, the same, same story, same account. And I just want to um, <clears throat> continue reading on down from where we stopped last week, because this, this really blessed my heart, church. Matthew chapter 11. And I'm just going to start, let me see, <clears throat> from verse 7. When they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. So this is when John sent his disciples, remember we talked about this last week, to Jesus to find out, are you the common one or do we look for another? So as Jesus sent his disciples away, this is now where this is. Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A man shaken by the wind? Or that just means a man easily intimidated? No. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Verse 9. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And verse 12 is what I want to show us this morning. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. It's not, and the wimpy, passive people take it by force. Or the people that go and, you know, oh, beg and, you know, please, can I have these things? Please. No. What does it say? The violent take it by force. It's time to get violent with our faith. It's long past the time to get violent with our faith. It's time to grab a hold of what's yours. The phrase suffers violence is translated from the Greek biazzo, and it means to force, to be seized, to press, to come forward violently, and to advance forcefully. You see, church, many, many the times this scripture is misinterpreted. It's mistaught. You know, when you read it, it's, you automatically, in, in, in the way it's written in our languages, you read it negatively. This is not a negative word. This scripture is not a negative scripture. It's only used, the Greek word only appears twice in the New Testament. The other time was in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, when it's Luke's account of this same story of people pressing into the kingdom. And it's translated pressing into in that verse. It's the same word, but it's only used twice in the New Testament. And both are in a positive sense. <clears throat> to force, to be seized, to press, to come forward violently and to advance forcefully. There are different definitions of that Greek word, biazzo. What was Jesus saying here? Well, 
up until this time of John the Baptist in the Old Testament, how did people approach God? They approached God through, um, you know, uh, what the, was written in the law, through sacrifices, through, you know, what you, this is what you need to do to approach God. This is what you need to do to, you know, have right standing before God. So this is what was happening. But in the time of Jesus, like church, all you have to do is read through the Gospels and you can see how Jesus continually rebuked the hypocrisy of religion in his day. People had got so cold to these laws and sacrifices and, and, and the order of things that was set in, in play in the Old Testament that they'd become selfish rituals to these, to, to these people. <clears throat> That's what had happened. Their hearts were turned far away from God. Their hearts were turned away from where, where they should be. So Jesus continually rebuked this. So in the previous verses of what we just read, he's just explained how important John the Baptist was. He burst on the scene to prepare the way. He was sold out. He was on fire. He was not easily intimidated. He came in the power of the Spirit, preaching repentance from sin and faith in the coming Messiah. He came in the power of the Spirit, preaching repentance from sin and in the hope of the coming Messiah. That's how John burst on the scene. Then multitudes came to him in the wilderness to be baptized. They went from their hearts been far away from God and actively not seeking him at all. So cold, so turned away from God, so into, these, into this blindness of these selfish rituals that, that they were so away. They were so opposite from what God wanted them to be. They went from actively not seeking God to coming out into the wilderness to seek and to hear what John had to say. Why? Because John was passionate and obedient to his calling, was one, and he was anointed to do it. That's what attracted the people. Remember we said about the fire, when you're on fire, people will come to watch you burn, so to speak. People will come to see, the, see what's happening. People will come, you know, when, when Holy Ghost fires stop breaking out on this roof, church, people's going to come to look. Are we expecting these things? Do we desire these things? Are we waiting for these things? We have to be. But it's the fire of God. It's the anointing. It's God. It's the presence that attracts people. So John had these things, and, and that's why people came. And, but it was through this, it was through John doing these things that it got people's hearts turned to God. These people began to truly press into the kingdom overcoming anything that tried to stop them. Religion, tradition, and let me remind you, it was rife in these days. Just like it is really today. Religion is so blinding and is so, it has so many people bound that they, they had to deal with this in these days as well. They had to overcome this. They had to fight past these things. These people began to truly press into the kingdom, overcoming anything that tried to stop them. Doubt even over any power that Satan tried to use. They were determined to hear the message that John preached. They became violently resolved in their zeal. They became violently resolved in their zeal and they forcefully seized the hope of the message that was being shared with them. They desired it and they violently came forward. They forcefully came forward to receive it. Church, I am telling you this morning, you have things opposing you. you there is spiritual wickedness. There's things in the spiritual. You've Satan opposing the preaching of the gospel. He's opposing your progression. He's opposing you getting intimate. And it is time for you to get violently resolved against him. Because the violent take it by force. They had obstacles, but they began to press into the kingdom no matter what. Too many times... We allow the opposing forces to hinder us or slow us down because we're not violently resolved to seize what God's provided. We're not violently resolved. Are you zealous about becoming intimate? Are you at the point where nothing will stop you from answering his call? Have, we, have to, we have established that things will stop us or try to stop us, but are you actively pursuing it enough so that you will not go backwards? You know, our relationship with Jesus needs to be the most precious prize to us. You will protect, if you have a prize that you want, if you have a prize in your possession or something that's so, so important to you, you won't just hand that over, will you? You won't just come up to the first person on the street to try and snatch it off you and say, right, 
Like if somebody come up to me in the street and try to steal one of my kids off me, I'm not going to say, okay, see ya. You're going to get violently resolved against them to stop them. The prize of Jesus, the prize of his relationship, the prize of intimacy should be the most precious prize to you. And I'm telling you, Satan's trying to stop it. Are you violently resolved against him? See what this verse says in the classic amplified version, Matthew eleven twelve, 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought after with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. That is a picture of somebody taking the things of God by force. And there's so many people in the body of Christ who can't even be bothered to to serve him in the everyday things. We need to be zealous, church. We have to prize these things and want these things over everything else. Because he's, in, he's calling you into intimacy. And yes, you don't have to answer that call. You can stay where you're at. If you don't want to be challenged, if you don't want to grow, if you don't want to mature in the things of God, you can stay there. But he is calling you into intimacy. And if you want those things, I'm telling you, you need to answer his call. And you need to violently step forward and forcefully seize it. Today, as in the day of John the Baptist, Satan is opposing the preaching of the gospel, like we said. He's opposing us pressing into the kingdom of God, and he will use what he can to stop you. But he will do nothing of any effect if we remain at the feet of Jesus and keep pressing forth to seize God's best for us. Only those who were violently resolved will advance forcefully to receive. Only those who are violently resolved will advance forcefully to receive. Church, I am telling you, I am trembling this morning. The Holy Ghost is all over me because this is an important word for us to grasp. We need to, be, we need to have our spiritual ears open this morning. You need to listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. You need to get violent against things that are opposing you. There's too much passivity in the kingdom of God. There's too much passivity in the body of Christ. Praise you, Lord. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Let's bring some balance to this. Um, oh, people will be going out the door saying, t- I'm telling you, they promote violence over there at Island Church. We know, you know what I'm saying, okay? Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, Our fight is not against flesh and blood. So put the baseball bats away. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what your fight is against. And let me remind you that your fight is in the victory that Christ has already won. You are, what what are you doing when you're fighting? You're enforcing Christ's victory. That's what you're doing, because it still needs to be enforced. The police, the guards out there, that you know, there's laws in place, but if they just sat in the office in the guard station and did nothing and didn't go out onto the street, who's going to enforce the laws? We have to enforce the victory of Christ, because if we don't, the devil will run riot in your life and in the lives of the people around us. And it is time to say, no, 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 devil, you're facing someone violent today. And you ain't going to gain ground in my life. Because I'm going to forcefully push back against you. As children of God, we fight by enforcing victory. Satan is already defeated, but we need to wake up and realize that he will try and stop you. It's time to wake up, church, and realize that he'll try and stop you. He tried, to, he tried to stop John the Baptist. How? By making him ineffective. By getting him to go off and follow a rabbit trail. And I'm not saying the things that John did were, were not important. And he was standing up for righteousness. He was standing up for what was right. But church, he was called to baptize and, and preach repentance of sins. To point people to the common Messiah. But he, Satan got him isolated. Satan got him away from what he was supposed to be doing. Satan got him, you know, over on the side, away from his destiny, away from Jesus. He'd no communication 
with his followers, no communication with the Lord, no communication with society to the very people he was called to. And Satan will always try and isolate. He'll always try and isolate. We have to... He'll, and he'll tries to, he tries to get us to adopt a passive mentality when it comes to the kingdom of God. Oh, but when it comes to sin, when it comes to unrighteousness that he wants us to dabble in, he'll say, oh, go grab a hold of that. But when it comes to the things of God, he'll be like, you're grand. You're under grace. You can just sit back. It's okay. God loves you. Yes, he does love you, church. But he is saddened to think of the state that we're getting ourselves in. Because we're not receiving. We're not grabbing a hold. We're not seizing. Stepping forward to grab. When we're walking in intimate phileo love with Jesus, we're in the best place in order to keep advancing. You won't be easily discouraged by the plans of the enemy to get you into doubt. You'll be full of faith and righteous resolve. You need to be full of faith and righteous resolve to keep going. How are we for time? Praise the Lord. Just give me a few more minutes. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit to God. This verse has been on my heart for weeks and it's powerful. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to who? To God. Draw near to his feet. Draw near to phileo. Draw near to intimacy. And what? He will draw near to you. He will draw near to you. God's promises are for his children and he wants the best for you, church. But let me tell you, only those who are advancing forcefully, violently to seize and receive will have. The Bible tells us here in James to submit to God and resist the devil. We're to push back by an opposing force against the schemes of the devil. We're to advance and press forward despite his efforts to slow us down. Keep that opposing force going. Remember we talked about last week, you can't turn the engine off. You go up a down escalator. If you try and go up a down, a, a down escalator, you're gonna, if you stop, if you keep running, you'll get to the top. If you stop, you're going to go down in the direction that it's taken you. If you stop in your pursuit of intimacy, if you stop in your advancement in the kingdom of God, you will go backwards. There's no such thing. And church, don't be fooled by the lie that, oh, I'm not, I'm not running in the opposite direction. If you're standing still, you're, you're regressing. If you're standing still, you're in a backslidden position. You have to be pressing forward. You have to, the propellers can't turn off. The propellers have to keep spinning or that plane is going to go down. Pushing back against the opposing forces. We don't do it by passively sitting back and allowing him to pile one circumstance on top of another. Oh, he, you don't understand. I, I'm just getting over this one and he's after throwing that on me. Don't let him. Get violent. And let me tell you something in, in a few minutes about that. But we do it by actively fighting against him. It's time to stamp the foot and say, Get! to the devil get get away from me Satan no not today and no not tomorrow and no not next week away with you because you aren't going to get away with it with me resist that's what the Bible tells us to do God give us a spiritual backbone as well as a physical one we need to have a spiritual backbone. Jesus is calling you, are you going to sit back and recline or are you going to run and seize? Notice how it, how it says to submit to God first. You can't resist the devil without first submitting to God. You can't. The word submit here means to place or rank under, to subject or to obey. This is another product of our intimacy. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you begin to fully submit to him. Submission to God means submitting to his word. Submitting to his word means applying it to your life, even when it's difficult, even when it's not comfortable, even when it's challenging, even when it's sore. 
You know when it stings sometimes when the Lord corrects us when we read the word or the Holy Ghost speaks to us and it's, a correct, it's in a corrective way. It's always in love with him. But we know we're not doing something we should be doing. We know we, ha- we were disobeying or whatever it may be. And you just feel that we sting in your spirit. Submitting to God means submitting to the word and what it's trying to teach you. Even the parts that are challenging. When you resist the devil, you're releasing the power within you through your submission to God. The submission has to come first. And it comes through close relationship. It goes on to say, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's a promise. When you seek him out and go after him, he's there, church. He's there with his arms wide open. He's ready for you. He wants you. He's desiring you. He chose you, remember. So we can see that submitting to God and resisting the devil are part of pressing in to receive and forcefully seize. You know, I love these translations when you look up these words in this verse in Matthew chapter 11, the force and violence and seize. And I love, I love how it's, it's like a wake-up call for us believers. It needs to be. It needs to be a wake-up call. We can't be sitting back reclining. We're going to have to be violent against the enemy if you want to advance in the kingdom. No more passivity. It's time to lay hold of what's rightfully yours. You know what, church? If God's will came to pass automatically, everyone would be saved. If God's will came to pass automatically, nobody would be sick. We would all be walking in divine health. But we know we live in a fallen world. We live in a time that's based on the consequences and the decisions of mankind. We still are living based on, you know, when we make bad choices, when we sow bad seeds, okay? It's, we live in a fallen world that's been corrupted by sin. So for any promise of God to come to fruition in your life, you're going to have to cooperate with him by faith and take it by force. Take it by force. When God has given you a promise, you don't have to beg him for it because it's already been given to you. And I'm not talking about you're going up and demanding off the Father and you're forced to I'm not talking about those things. But when you know what's rightfully yours, you don't go and beg for it. And you don't hand it over to somebody else either. If I bought a brand new car, I, I had this example. If I bought a brand new car and I took it home to my wife and I says, that's yours. She's not going to stand there in the house and beg me for it. Why? Because I've already told her it's already hers. She knows my word. She knows, oh, right, this is, this, what he's telling me is true. We're intimate. We have intimacy. We know each other. Okay? So she's not going to come up and beg for that off me. She's going to come up and take the keys and go drive her new car. She's going to come forcefully and take that thing, not, oh, can I have it, please? She's going to come and take that just because she knows that it's, it's, I've already given it to her. We're intimate, church, with God. He's promised us health and he's promised us purpose. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you have it more, what? Abundantly. He's told you that he came to give you abundant life, so go take abundant life by force and stop living in any other way, getting whipped. Don't allow Satan to keep that from you. Don't allow him to place any sort of wedge between you and God. Resist him by actively pursuing God. Be violently resolved against the enemy. You know, whether or not we have the authority is not the only issue. And we know we have the authority. We teach these things. You know that. But whether or not we have the authority is not the only issue. The manner in which you assert your authority is important. Or if you assert it at all. Go, using an example of, of the guards again. Like if lawbreakers are not just going to automatically submit to the guards. They don't always. The guard doesn't just walk up and say, stop what you're doing. Okay. Nine times out of ten, they resist. And sometimes force is necessary. The devil's not going to automatically submit to you even though you walk in a greater authority unless you get violent with him. 
unless you start getting forceful and say, no devil, get. He's not going to automatically just stop. He's not going to automatically just cower away. Are you going to stand up to him and assert your authority? Are you going to seize what's already yours? See, that's the key. You have to know that it's yours. You have to know what's available to you in the spiritual realm. You have to know what Christ has done for you in the spirit. You're perfect. You're just as Jesus is. So don't accept anything that Jesus did that, that, that Jesus didn't have. In order for us to exert the filing force and stand in our authority, we first must know who is backing us. It always circles back to intimacy. It always does, church. That's why the enemy will fight against you, pressing in deeper. He tries to put doubt. He tries to put offense. He tries to put this and that and the other. Why? Because he doesn't want you progressing. Because he knows when you get intimate, you're going to start violently destroying his plans. You see it time and time again in church. You've people coming in. You've people getting saved. You've people, you know, just answering the call, even for salvation. And they press forward for a while with excitement. And, and then what? You don't see them again. Or you don't see them for a long while. Or they regress. Or they, something happens and they take a step backwards. They lack zeal and they start to drift away. They don't violently pursue the things of God in their lives. Satan starts putting up his roadblocks and they fall for it. Oh, well, that mustn't have worked. Because my life didn't automatically turn around and all of these circumstances didn't automatically go away. And a lot of the times it's lack of understanding. And that's why we need to be there as the body to look after these babies and show them the right way. But unless you get that violent resolve to keep going and to push back against the enemy, you will start drifting away because the circumstances of life will come at you and you'll get discouraged, just like John the Baptist did. You're going to have to advance forward forcefully to take what God's provided for you. And I just want to close with this example really quickly. In Mark chapter 5. Turn with me there real quickly and I'll just read this out. In verse 25, it's a very popular story, church, but it blesses my heart. I love it. And there's so many lessons to learn from this. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but she rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came in in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. That's that Greek word, sozo. Salvation. In this instance, it was for physical healing. He provided that for you. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Look at all these people, Lord. But Jesus knew. He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman was not even supposed to be in town. According to Jewish law, she was supposed to be isolating. She wasn't supposed to be out in public. It was considered unclean. She was risking getting stoned coming out in public. She'd been isolating and obeying the law for 12 years spending all of her money going to every doctor that she could think of or that she could get to know of and it did her no good it was to no avail in fact she got worse she was in bondage to this affliction and she wanted to be free and then when all seemed lost hope came along in Jesus do you know he's your hope this morning church we mentioned that scripture hope deferred makes the heart sick when your hope's in Jesus, your heart won't get sick. Keep your hope in him. Amen. That woman did everything that she could do, but then Jesus. But then Jesus. Thank God for a but, and thank God for Jesus, that he had another plan, and he sent us our plan for redemption. I love how the scripture tells us that she heard about him, and it stirred the faith on the inside of her to go and receive she had to hear about him first. Why? The goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, just the 
the wonders, just Jesus just attracts people. That's why we need to be like Jesus, church. Stop trying to be like yourself. I know I certainly won't be, I can't attract people by myself. I refuse to do what God's called me to do without the anointing on my life. And I, t- I tell God that every day. God, I refuse to do this without your anointing. Because I know I can't do it by myself. It's Jesus in us that attracts people. It's Jesus in us that draws the multitudes. We need to stamp in more like Jesus. How do we get that? Intimacy. If only I could touch his clothes, she said, I know I'll be made whole. She got up, left her home, pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus, and there was such a strong penalty for such a thing. It was death if she was caught. She risked getting stoned. The faith that she had in what Jesus could do compelled her to reach out. She advanced violently to pursue Jesus, and she took her healing by force. She advanced forcefully to seize. Church, this woman didn't have a a passive mentality. If she did, she would have sat in her house and died. She didn't sit and wonder, oh God, I wonder if that's Jesus' will to hear me. Maybe I won't, just in case it doesn't work and then I die. She knew, I'm dying anyway. I know, I've heard about Jesus. I know he'll set me free. And she forcefully advanced to receive her healing. The violent take it by force. She didn't timidly push through the crowd asking, could she see Jesus? Please, disciples, can I see him? Oh, please, can you move out of the way? She shoved, she pushed, she got to Jesus whatever way she could to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Jesus is calling you, but a lot of the times the first thing that tries to stand in your way, you you back down. Jesus is calling us into intimacy. Jesus is calling us to come and receive your healing, church. Your physical healing, your emotional healing, your restoration, your freedom. The devil throws a wee roadblock up and you turn around and walk back. Instead of kicking it out of the way, instead of finding the detour, instead of getting to Jesus whatever way you can to violently take what he's already given you. Are you pursuing Jesus with conviction? Are you going to be pushed off the track by every circumstance? Jesus is calling you in deeper and his arms are wide open waiting for you. The woman in this account didn't allow physical affliction to stop her. She didn't allow shame to stop her. Oh, Satan loves to use shame. He loves to use guilt and and condemnation to try and get you to stop. Oh, I wouldn't run to Jesus. Jesus knows what you done last night. I wouldn't run to Jesus. Jesus knows how you spoke to that person. Jesus knows your deepest, darkest secrets. He doesn't want you. In fact, I'd be embarrassed if I was even you to go to church this morning. Shut up, devil. Shut up, devil. Get. You're not going to torment my mind this morning. I know who I am in Christ. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he's calling me. And I'm going to forcefully pursue him. I'm going to violently step forward and receive what he has planned for me. And you're not going to stop me. Don't allow shame. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Don't allow shame and guilt. He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is ask him. Don't allow him to push you around. It's time to get violent against anything spiritual that hinders you from pursuing and answering your call. He's no match for you. He's no match for the power that's in you. Don't be afraid of him. He's nothing. He's defeated. Tell him that. Tell him what his destiny is the next time he whispers in your ear. Tell him to get away from you and step forward and receive what God has for you. Three things you can do to take it by force. Find the promise, meditate on the word, and then use your words. Find the promise in the word. It's in there. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you find it. When you find it, don't let it depart from your eyes. Meditate it on a day and night. And I'm not talking about just like 
passively, like we said this morning in, in that opener. Uh, meditate as you stay on it, you stay focused on it, and you stay fixed on it. And then number three, you use your words, you confess it, you declare it, you demand it, you say it is mine in the name of Jesus, I step forward and I take it by force. So let me ask you again in closing, do we have any violent people in here this morning? I hope so. Because, church, it is the way you're going to receive it. The violent take it by force. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you for this wonderful time in your presence, Lord. We thank you, Father, Lord, that you are so wonderful. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the wonderful Wonderful gift of salvation that you've given us. And you know, just in obedience to the Holy Ghost, I, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you've heard what I've said in here this morning, and it bears witness with your spirit, but you know that you haven't done everything that you need to do, Church, if you were to leave this planet today and there's one ounce of doubt in you where you're going, you need to get some things right. Unless you are 100% sure where you're going, you need to get some things right. Jesus is calling you into that place of relationship. If there's anybody in here this morning who has not or is not sure, because it's better to be sure whether you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you. You know, the Bible says... If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Choosing to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior church is the best decision you'll ever make. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And by his grace, he's already done everything to provide salvation. Your part is just to believe and receive. So as a body, we're going to repeat these words. And it's not just about, oh, we have to get the words perfectly right. It's more than just a prayer, church. You need to believe by faith on your heart. You need to believe what you're about to do and receive it. And it will bear fruit in your life. And there will be an instant change on the inside that when you yield to, your life will be completely transformed. So repeat this after me. Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive my salvation now. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Praise the Lord, church. That's it. Believe it in your heart. Receive it. Give him a shout of praise. Oh, thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. There's a party in heaven right now. Oh, there's rejoicing in heaven right now. That one more, that another person was snatched from the pits of hell. Thank you, Father, for your goodness that leads people to repentance. Thank you, Father, for, Lord, blessing us with every spiritual blessing. You are a faithful God. You chose us before the foundation of this world. Help us, Father, live our lives yielded and submitted to you. Father, we want to grow intimate. We want that intimacy. We want to be in communion with you every day of our lives. We know that you're drawing us in, Father, and we answer your call. We will not be thrown off by doubt. We will not be thrown off by unbelief. We will not be thrown off by any scheme of Satan. We will keep progressing forward 
into the wonderful plans and purposes and relationship that we have with you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this word today. Thank you, Father, for your spirit, Lord, pouring out on us, Lord. We got to receive so much today, Lord, and give to you also. Thank you, Father, Lord, for every word that was spoken, Lord, by your spirit and by your word, that it will produce fruit in these people's lives. It will produce fruit to anybody that listens to this podcast or hears my voice. It will plant seeds in their heart that will produce a harvest forever, in eternity. Fruit will come from this. Satan, you will not steal the word. You will not steal what was planted here this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord, for Psalm 91. Thank you, Father Lord, that we dwell in the secret place. Oh, you protect us. We're under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, thank you, Father Lord, that angels are sent forth on our behalf, ministering to our needs, protecting us in all of our ways. No wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself will prosper against us. No sickness, no disease, no plague will come near our dwelling place. And it will not come near us because it will be trespassing and it is illegal. And we violently walk and receive our wholeness and health. Thank you, Father, for your revelation of your word to know who we are in Christ, to know that we've been set free. We're no longer in bondage, Father, but we walk in freedom. And where your spirit is, there is liberty. Help us, Father, Lord, this week, Lord, to be ambassadors for you, Father, Lord. Help us to radiate Jesus in everything that we do, Lord. And that will come through intimacy. The more we dig, the more we spend time with you, we know, Father, we're going to start looking like you more and more. Give us opportunities this week to share the goodness of your, of your word, the goodness of Jesus. And help us be bold to respond. Help us walk in love towards each other as the body, not walking in offense, not walking in any disunity, but we walk unified as one body with one sole purpose to know you and to make you known. Help us walk in faith towards you, Jesus, in everything that we, you've asked us to do. And declare in here now that here at Island Church Dundalk, we are covered by your blood, we're empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.